I have not been this excited about a seven and seven football team <laughs> since Bill uh, forever. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, it this yeah. is it's crazy. This is a heck of a lot of fun, isn't it, my yeah. friend? It really is. And I mean, when's the last time? And I'm trying to think of it. Uh, the Lions have had a win uh, like today's on the road in December, and I'm. I'm probably going to be wrong on this, but I'm going back to 2011 at the old uh, Oakland Alameda Coliseum uh, when we beat the uh, the Raiders. Matthew hit Calvin late with the touchdown, and then the Raiders lined up for a 65-yard Janikowski field goal, <laughs> and everybody's holding their breath because if anybody could have done it back then, it was Janikowski. And Dominican Sue got a piece of the ball, tipped it. And uh, the next week, we had to win that game. And the next week, came back and uh, beat the Chargers on that New Year, uh, Christmas Eve game you referred to a, a couple of times. But what a gutsy win today. I mean, on the road after losing the lead late, coming back, just, I mean, something's happening there. Something special's going on for sure. That cannot be denied now. You know, Bill, it's funny. I was having some conversations with with people on Twitter. I tweeted something out. I said, this had all the makings of what people refer to as a same old lion lost today, yeah. except they didn't lose. Mm -hmm. And some people said, well, why don't we retire that? Why don't?" And I've never been one to really use that term. I've used right. Lord knows I've used a lot of other terms, mm -hmm. but that that one hasn't been mine. But with that being said, I understand why it exists, and it exists for a reason. And, and you know what? The only way to make that go away, you can beg people not to say that term anymore. You can offer them bribes. The only way to make that go away is to win games like you did today. And exactly. they found a way, and that 58-yard field goal wasn't good, and yep. it wasn't pretty. And we could say all those things, Bill, mm -hmm. but you know what? It's a W, and this team is red yep. hot right now. No question. And and again, it's not how, it's if. And uh, the if was in the win column. And, uh, and and you know what? It doesn't matter what it looks like because they're paying the Jets players as, as well. And it's on the road. It's at a, a venue that's hard to win at. Um, it's, you know, I mean, how, how recently, Sean, we were talking about the Lions hadn't won on the road in Dan Campbell's tenure as coach. Okay. That wasn't that long ago. And they go and beat a team that's fighting for its playoff lives uh, with a clutch win. And uh, no matter how it happened, it looks beautiful and uh, right in the hunt. And um, you know, when you look, you don't want to get too far ahead, but the next three games are eminently winnable. I think everyone will agree with that. And then once you're in, how many times have we talked about teams that had to run the table to get in? The Steelers, the year they won the Super Bowl at Ford Field, had to run the table. Every playoff game they won was on the road. Uh, the Packers, when they beat uh, the Steelers in the Super Bowl, we talked about this last week. Mm -hmm. They finished 10-6, and six, had to win every game. Uh, the, or should I say the last four games, every game in December, and they did. So, the, you know, it's exciting. Uh, I don't think I'm happier for anyone but the fans. I mean, they they have endured so much and stayed so true to the team, true blue for sure. So, um, 
you know, it's a good place to be right now uh, in Detroit as a Lions fan. You know what's interesting about this is, as well, Bill, is, is you know, there are so many layers to, to what is going on right now. And I, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention this for me. Hey, listen, I, I told you a few times. For me, this was, all right, let's look ahead to next year. Let's see what yeah. happens this year. Let's see some improvement. But let's look ahead to ne- next year. They, they got already one of those draft picks in the Matthew Stafford deal. They're going to get another one by 23. We'll be ready to make a charge. We'll be ready to win some games. Do you know how wonderful it feels to be ahead of schedule? No I, it, it, I, I'm not used to saying that bill. And I mean, no disrespect. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking historically, this team really feels like it's ahead of the curve right now. It, it, it arguably is ahead of the curve. And we've talked about one thing consistently Really, since we've been doing the show, a team's got to be heading up the mountain. As long as you're heading up the mountain, um, regardless of what your record is, you're going in the right direction. And, uh, you know, early on, it was rough. I mean, there were there were people in this town, media in this town that would have fired Dan Campbell if yep. they could have, believe it or not. We know that we we read it. We heard it. We saw it. Um but the season is 17 weeks long. Okay. You're, you're, you're having this, you know, this, this strong opinion after a third of the season's over. Well, guess what? It's 17 weeks long. And, you know, ask teams like we just referenced the Steelers, the Packers, other teams that have made a run late in the year to qualify. Um, That's why you play every game. That's why you play 17 of them now in the NFL and, uh, and, and the team is heading up the mountain. There ain't no doubt about that. Uh, and I think the mountain's a little higher. They have, you know, cause they keep going up and up and up. So maybe it's a little higher that destination than we thought of, uh, a little while back in uh, October and early November. Bill, isn't it fun to have an exciting offensive coordinator oh. as well? I, you had you had a front row seat when the Lions turned around their season, as as, as you recall, Bill. Uh, you guys went to London, and there was a just a horrible loss, and mm-hmm. the season was going to fall apart. And they got rid of Martin and. You know, mm-hmm. by, you know, so many different people's account. Okay, Coach Caldwell's on a double secret probation and everything. Yeah. And and, and Jim Bob Cooter, I remember those yep. first few weeks, it was like a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the team made that charge that year and came this yeah. close to, to, to yeah. getting into the playoffs. But I, I look at what Ben Johnson is doing right now, and, and nothing greater perhaps than that long touchdown pass late in the game where huh. – Everybody and their brother knows that the ball's going to Amon Ra, and he pulls that mm-hmm. out of it just that's uh. the kind of stuff that makes you just jump up and go, Yes. And you know, we have we have Ragno on Frank Ragno on uh, every Tuesday in the Paul right. Smith show, and he is just singing his praises each and every week. And uh, Bill, you can see why. No question. I I cannot remember a better play call at a critical juncture in a game than that one today. And here's something that's, that may surprise some people. But when I, when I saw after the, uh, after the game, I had the Atlanta new Orleans game that I was doing, but in a, in a very weird, but perhaps a real way, 
the fact that the Lions traded, um, oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm forgetting his name, to the Vikings. Uh, oh, uh, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, my goodness, caught the uh, two-point conversion yesterday. If if Hawk is in the game at that time, they're, they are aware he's in the game, right? Because he's a receiving threat. Hawkinson's a threat. But because he wasn't in some tight end that's known for blocking, right? He's a blocker. Well, I got to believe that that played into um, uh, Coach Johnson's, you know, mindset, calling that play. This is perfect. And uh, and what a what a great play it was. I mean, holy mackerel. Um, that was one for the ages. That was a – now, <laughs> like we said uh, a couple weeks ago, Gosh, we almost wish he wasn't pulling these rabbits out of the hat so often because teams are going to start noticing him, um, and you have to, and good for him. But uh, teams are definitely going to start noticing that guy because what he has done has been, uh, you know, almost almost not short of remarkable in so many ways. No doubt about that. Uh, lots to come here on the show. Of course, we're with you till 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll go back in the memory bank and talk about uh, some of those uh, games gone by, whether it be a Christmas Eve game. Uh, Bill, it's funny mm-hmm. you mentioned that because 11 years ago, they had that game against the Raiders on a Sunday and had to come right back and have mm-hmm. that uh, Saturday afternoon game on a Christmas Eve against the yeah. Chargers. You and I, uh, during the course of the week, we're talking about a couple different Christmas games of time mm-hmm. gone by. And Bill, as a guy who knows a little bit about the NFL and works for the NFL, quite frankly, I'm surprised that the NFL didn't try to own Christmas Day a little yeah. earlier uh, than they have. I'd love to pick your brain on that. So much to get into. Don't you go anywhere. He is Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. So glad you could join us on a Sunday night here. It is Gridiron Rap on 760 WJR. Well, in regards to the late games, uh, Bill, the Cincinnati Bengals are doing it mm-hmm. again. Uh, if you remember, they got hot last year and and rolled that all the way to the Super Bowl. They are currently, uh, as you well know, on a five-game win streak. And early mm-hmm. today, uh, Bill, I don't know how much of this one you saw, they looked awful. They were doing absolutely mm-hmm. nothing offensively made it a 17 to three game at the half uh, with a long field goal, a 41 yard field goal just to get on board. And then it is like that light switch went on. Uh, they have scored 30 points PAT pending straight on the Tampa bucks and are about to improve to 10 and four. Absolutely remarkable. It really is. And, uh, in some respects, their season, uh, they started, uh, they had that lull. They they weren't the Bengals of last year. Um, but today's game certainly is what we were talking about. It You play 60 minutes, you play 17 games. And with a quarterback like Joe Burrow, it's never over. And if we haven't learned it's never over when it comes to the NFL, we should have learned it this weekend. Because all you have to do is look at that Viking ship up north and what happened in there yesterday. And when you think you've seen it all, we ain't seen nothing yet, as they say. Uh, that that was 
I, I don't even know if there's a word for it, Sean. I mean, I, I don't know if there there's a word for it. <laughs> I, you know, the only the only word that I can come up with is Oilers, as in the Houston Oilers blowing that playoff game yeah. to the Buffalo yeah. Bills thirty years yeah. ago. That's all, mm -hmm. uh, Bill. That's all. And it was funny because I couldn't help right. but think of that game. Uh, my late father and I were watching that game, and in case people don't remember, a playoff game, nineteen ninety two. Uh, the Houston Oilers had a 38 to three lead over the Buffalo Bills, and I mean, the game was absolutely over. Their starting quarterback was knocked out. Frank Wright comes in. All of a sudden, you know, my my dad yeah. were watching the game, Bill, and and he goes, "Okay, I have no interest in watching this game." Well, me being a kid, I wanted to watch a game. I go in my room. I go, "Dad, it's 38 to 10." He goes, "So what?" Dad, it's 38 yeah. to 17. <laughs> Who cares? Dad, it's 38 to 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 24. He goes. Okay, turn the the game on. You know, one one of those situations where Bill, it was it was remarkable how they just came storming back. And yesterday was like that. It it was just when the when the when they got that first touchdown to make it like thirty six to twenty one or whatever it was. I was like, okay, well that's cute. They're going to mm -hmm. make it respectable, and they just kept coming. It was absolutely remarkable, and. Uh, I'll tell you, I don't know how the Colts recover from that this year. I just don't. I mean, we can no. talk about being professionals and everything, but Bill, you know the locker room as well as anybody. That is just yeah. damaging. That is so far worse uh, than getting blown out, in my opinion, uh, because you were never in the game uh, when it's lopsided and you're on the short end. You don't leave there thinking, ah, we could have, should have, would have. But oh my gosh. To be not only to lose a huge lead, but historically be a part of the losing of that lead. 33 points. Um, you know, at some point, it's almost impossible when you look at, okay, you know, how many possessions are we going to get in the second half and blah, 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 blah. But, uh, and then you get the crowd behind you. And that stadium up in Minneapolis is is one of the best facilities in the NFL when it comes to home field. Those fans get behind them and they start that skull stuff, you know, and the clapping. And don't think that doesn't have an impact on the visitors because I'm sure it does. They're human. And uh, for, for the Vikings to win that game and clinch the playoff, I mean, that that's one for the ages. But we've seen numerous games like that this year. That's the beauty of uh, of what we're seeing. I mean, that's why the NFL is king, is. as we've said so many times. It's remarkable. It, it is. And, and you know what? You remember those games? Uh, I meant 35 to 3 back in, what, the 93 playoffs, the 92 season. Mm -hmm. I'll remember that yesterday. It, it was funny, Bill. I, oh, yeah. Full disclosure, I went up to Frankenmuth with uh, the family. And uh, so the kids and I kind of stopped paying attention to the game. And, and then my brother was texting me, and he was like, are you watching this? So we uh, – to use a, a term oh, that wow. Hank Stram liked to use, we matriculated our way to the little bar area over in Frankenmuth <laughs> to catch the end of that game yeah. because it 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 really was insane. And not to be, you know, uh, I guess uh, look down upon, but Josh Allen did Josh Allen things late last night mm -hmm. in that game against Miami, and uh, that yep. ended up being a, a thriller as well. Yeah, it really did. And and the games are never over. They truly are never over. And um and that's uh oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I am watching the Raiders New England game 
And I don't think I've ever seen an ending like this. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. That was okay. insane. New England had it's tied up 24 all, I think. And uh, they have two seconds on the clock. They're on the uh, minus 45. So they're going to try one final play. You think it's going to be a pass, maybe in a lateral deal, but they hand the ball off and the running back gains about 30 yards. And then he starts lateraling it. And the lateral goes back, back and gets intercepted by a Raider defender who takes it to the house wow. for a touchdown. It, I mean, you can't write this stuff, Sean. This, the NFL, truth is stranger than fiction in, in our game and in our league. Unbelievable. Uh, and, of course, you have, the, you know, the, the sidebar story with uh, Josh McDaniel going against Bill Belichick and, and just, just remarkable. Oh, my gosh. What an ending. Wow, the uh, Raiders you, scored it, with 32 seconds yeah. left to tie it yeah. and then scored on the last game on a fumble return. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the running back, I'm watching the replay, went 15, 20. He went 25 yards down to the 30 when they started uh, review, uh, lateraling it. And two laterals later, um, I, I didn't see who it was. looked like one of the uh, Patriot receivers threw it back toward – the quarterback and uh and right into the arms of a uh, uh, of uh jones the raider defender who stiffed armed uh, a patriot on the way to the most most improbable uh winning touchdown you'll ever see well you know what bill it is amazing because just on the the moment that you're talking about the game is never over in the National Football League. And we, obviously, Bill, you can't plan that. You literally got that out of your mouth, no. and then that happened. It's, it's. I mean, there you yeah. go. I mean, what more do you need? Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, we're not, we're not scripted, and we're not on a delay. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, uh, we saw it in real time, and uh, wow, 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 wow. Now that's a, that's a loss. You know, I tell you what it reminded me of because you think of Bill Belichick, who is the best. Um, it sort of reminded me, uh, and I guess it reminds me more as I'm saying this of the infamous Auburn Alabama game. Oh my! God. Where on the last play of regulation, Alabama tries a what 55, 60 yard field goal. Okay, if he makes it, they win. If he doesn't, no harm. We got overtime. Yeah. <laughs> The, the kick is just short under the goalpost and the Auburn defender who caught the field goal attempt goes 109 yards on with no time left yep. for the winning touchdown. Yep. So that's why you play 60 minutes. That's why you play 17 weeks. And that's why we love football. Bill, that is, I, I, I will tell anybody who listens, that is one play that you don't get a lot of plays like that where, you know, you remember where you were at. Mm -hmm. And I, I was actually out to dinner with my family at, at I'm going to say their name, a Max and Irma's. And it was like every, mm -hmm. every football fan in that place all stood up like it, almost simultaneously going, 
are you watching this? Are you, he's yeah. going to score. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. that Alabama yeah. Auburn, especially in the Iron Bowl, for something like that to happen right. in the Iron yeah. Bowl, absolutely yeah. remarkable. So, wow, yeah. good for the Raiders because the Raiders have been team hard luck, it seems, for, yes. for quite some time now, Bill. Mm-hmm. No question. And what a big win. The game was was in Las Vegas, so the fans got to experience that. And uh, how ironic, I, I don't think this is an overstatement, but two of the most improbable last play finishes in the NFL, in the history of the NFL, and collegiately, uh, two of the greatest coaches of all time were on the losing end, Nick Saban. that. And Bill Belichick. Wow. Who would have thunk it, Johnny? Wow. <laughs> nice yeah. poll there. Uh, yeah. Elsewhere, very quickly, uh, the Chargers get a late field goal. Uh, boy, the Titans have, have just been uh, falling apart, Bill. No other way to say that. Chargers yes. knock off the Titans 17-14. to 14. The Bucs uh, just scored a touchdown to make it a little more respectable. It's 34-23 with uh, under a minute to go down in Tampa. Uh, tonight... Uh, I think everybody and their brother is going to be watching this one because there are playoff uh, implications, certainly for the Lions. And boy, Bill, it feels nice to say mm-hmm. that sentence. Giants and Commanders tonight uh, getting together. Yes. And then tomorrow night, uh, well, a game that looked really good when the season started. Uh, injuries will uh, certainly wreck that. But uh, Rams and Packers tomorrow night on Monday night football. Right. So we'll be watching. Anyway. Yeah, I think the only thing. I was going to say, I think the only thing uh, Lions fans don't want is what happened in their first meeting of the year is a tie. I think uh, I think that would be the the only real bad scenario because uh, with one of them losing, then the Lions will only be a half a game behind that team. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, we have more to come. We're going to take a, a trip down memory lane. I know Bill's got some special memories about uh, – Football at the holidays. You know, it's interesting because Thanksgiving is a holiday and and we certainly revere Mm -hmm. that. But a lot of history with Christmas Eve and Christmas games as well. Bill will regale us uh, with some of those stories as well. Glad that Brandon Blake's in the house. He's Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. So glad you could join us on a Sunday night here. It is Gridiron Wrap on 760 WJR. All right, welcome back in. It is Gridiron Wrap here on 760 WJR. First of all, happy Hanukkah uh, to all of our Jewish friends out there and whatever you are celebrating this season. Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever the case may be. Uh, Certainly, this is, uh, as Andy Williams so eloquently put long ago, Bill, the most wonderful time (laughs) of the year. Yes, it is. I absolutely love this time of year. Nothing like it being with your kids, your family, whatever the case may be. One of the Mm -hmm. things that has happened, at least in my lifetime, is the NBA literally found a way to Mm -hmm. own Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know about you, Bill. I don't know about you, Blake. I I must confess, I've kind of tuned into some of the games on Christmas Day in the past, the NBA games, because quite frankly, there's so much going on on Christmas. But I, I can't say that I plopped myself down on the couch and made that an annual part of the Belgian holiday. You know what I mean? That That's just not something that has been in my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill, with that being said, I am really surprised why 
the NFL didn't try to do this earlier. And what I mean by this is, uh, I don't care if you're the biggest NBA fan in the world. Let me repeat again. The NFL is king. And the NFL, if they want to own Christmas Day, and it certainly appears like they want to try to do it this year with games at 1 and 4.30 and 8.20, the NFL is going to own the day. Bill, I got to be honest with you. I'm actually shocked that we haven't seen this more often. Sean, you're right. And uh, there's no doubt the NFL will own the day this year. Not only Christmas Day, but Christmas Eve as well, because you got a full schedule of games on on Christmas Eve. And if you want to talk holidays, just look at what happened on Thanksgiving this year. Now, the matchups, at least from first glance, don't look to be as attractive. But on Christmas Day, like Thanksgiving, you got families visiting families and friends. You got people over the house. And what's going to be on TV? The football game no matter who's playing. And the NFL set an all-time ratings record for Thanksgiving this past year. The Cowboys-Giants game was the number one rated regular season show uh, game in history. So with all the games on Christmas Eve serving as an appetizer, the NFL is going to have the whole day on Christmas. Uh, I think they're smart. Uh, to to start at one o'clock because by that time Santa will have visited all the houses and the kids <laughs> will have opened all the presents. You know, there's no overseas nine a.m. start game um, like there have have been this past this year. Um, but I think I think you're right, and I think a lot of it though. The one difference I will say um, is the NFL is bound based on the weekend Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, because when Christmas falls on a Wednesday or Thursday, you can't, you can't sure. just can't do it um, sure. because of the scheduling and competitive uh, issues that go along with that. But we can, um, you do it. And I don't think there's any question um, that, uh, that they're going to, they're going to own the day. Absolutely own the day. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be intrigued to see Bill, you know, and obviously with football, as you pointed out, uh, you, you have to wait and see what day Christmas falls on. But, you know, the next couple of years, obviously, it's going to be around a Sunday, right? Uh, next year, yes. for example, uh, the 24th will fall on a, a, a Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, and Christmas will mm -hmm. be on Monday. I'm going to be intrigued to see, Bill, if they try to do this again next year. You know, I, the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday thing might be a little mm -hmm. difficult. You could mix in the annual Thursday game and maybe one more, but I'm going to mm -hmm. be intrigued to see if they want to do this because the one thing that I've noticed, Bill, in my lifetime is I think the NFL used to kind of say, okay, well, it's World Series time and we're going to give you the tip of the cap. Oh, NBA, mm -hmm. I know you've owned Christmas. I don't think the NFL does too much of that anymore, Bill. I think they know no. we're the NFL no. and we're just going to do as we please. Yeah, I... I think uh, that's obvious and appropriate. And I, uh, I I will say this with respect to next year. You could have some type of hybrid approach because the one benefit, the one obvious benefit of the 17-game schedule uh, with regard to this issue 
is that you still have two regular season games after Christmas. Yep. So you, it's not like you're going into the last week and then the playoffs and it, it could potentially create some competitive imbalance based on those teams that might've played on one day. Uh, and then sometimes you have to come back and play a playoff game on a Saturday. Well, you don't have that concern because you have two more uh, regular season games, which is wonderful. Um, so uh, I think that's a positive for sure. Uh, Bill, you have some memories uh, from your times with the Lions. Uh, you and I were talking about one in particular. Yeah. I, I I can't believe it's been that many years because I remember it as plain as day. It was yeah. To tell you how long ago it was, my wife and I had been married 25 years, and it was well before we were married, actually. I remember watching <laughs> this game against the Miami Dolphins uh, with her dad on yeah. Christmas night. Wow. Well, yeah, that was back in the 94 season. And we had just come off uh, our last Central Division Championship, 93, when we won the division on the last weekend with the 30-20 to 20 win over the Packers in a sold-out Silverdome. Um, so, predictably, we were going to have uh, a, a schedule the following year, 94, with a number of uh, nationally televised games. And Christmas fell on, uh, and I'm, I'm not even sure if it was a Saturday or a Sunday. Uh, I think it was a Saturday for some reason. So the league played uh, a full slate the day after Christmas on Sunday. Um, but we, we got scheduled for Christmas Day in Miami. And um, uh, my, my children, my boys were six and four and in full Santa mode, obviously. Um, so what, what is a father to do? Right. Um, because I'm not going to be there for Christmas. Um, well, I had a friend who had a friend and I told him I knew Sean Belisian and that's all it took. <laughs> and my friend, my friend got a message to Santa. Wouldn't you know? Wow. So Santa call, Santa calls the house a couple days before Christmas. And, uh, and I remember the, the the recording and the you know got the message and brought the kids over and and played the machine and it was hello billy and christopher this is santa claus calling from the north pole i want you to know that you two have been the best boys in oxford michigan this past year and because you've been so good I'm going to visit you early. I'm coming to your house before anybody else's. In fact, I'm coming two days early. Now, don't tell your friends because you're special. And we'll keep this little Santa secret between us. Oh, so, so precious. John, the, the only thing I regret is not filming it. Because if you would have seen their eyes, it was beyond precious. It was like... Oh. And they look at each other and it was Santa that they were hearing. And uh, my daughter was was only, uh, what, seven, eight months old at the time. So she doesn't remember. But the boys certainly did. And it could not have gone over any better. Oh, was that um, beautiful? It was wonderful. Um, and then as, a, as, a, as a, another sort of uh, story regarding that weekend, as you probably recall, Going into that game, Barry needed like 180, 190 yards for 2,000, for mm. 2,000 yards, which 
a 16 game season, Eric Dickerson was the, the last one to do it. I believe that was still, you know, on the milestone mountain. I mean, that was just incredible. So I had, uh, quietly secretively thought how wonderful it would be if Barry gets over 2000 on Christmas day. So I worked with a friend and we printed up about a hundred t-shirts a lot of 4X, 5X, 3X um, <laughs> with Barry Christmas, 2,000 yards, victory. So the only way we're going to pass them out is if we win the game and Barry gets 2,000 yards. But Barry Christmas, December 25th, 1994. Um, and I had the shirts hid in the equipment room. Um, my, my equipment manager obviously was – was in on the secret, but unfortunately um, we didn't win the game. We lost by a touchdown and Barry uh, Miami's defense uh, played pretty well. And I don't think he had a hundred yards in that game, but uh, I still have some of those t-shirts hanging around. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Barry great. Christmas. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, I told you, the other one that I remember, Bill, uh, and, and you know how it works in my business. I was the low man on the totem pole in 1999 uh, when the Lions yeah. hosted the oh, Denver yeah. Broncos. So Denver. on a very freezing cold Christmas morning, mm -hmm. I had to do a post-game show uh, out uh, in Pontiac before the Lions took on the Broncos, and it was my son's first Christmas. But uh, it was mm -hmm. okay because, you know, he was four months old at the time, so uh, he has no recollection of it. But uh, I just remember being out there and it being absolutely freezing cold on mm -hmm. Christmas morning. Unfortunately, uh, the Lions lost that game that day to the Broncos. Yeah. Um, before we go to the break, my dad told me the greatest game he ever saw was that Christmas Day game. What was it, Bill? 71. It, um, yeah. The, Kansas the Ed Podolak game? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah, that was. Uh, Miami over Casey. Time the long yep. Right. Uh, Gary Prem kicks the field goal, but Ed Podolak became a household name for the Chiefs. It was at the old city stadium in Kansas City, and it just went on and on and on. And uh, I, I watched that game. I remember it uh, very well. And uh, and it became, you know, certainly a, a very significant part of the NFL history because it was overtime. And uh, and. And then when you add Christmas Day to it, it just made made it even bigger. Yep, no doubt about it. All right, we're up against a break. We will wrap it up uh, when we come back. Bill, I want to ask you about the game that you saw today. I always like to hear how <laughs> rookie quarterbacks uh, did. I saw his stat line. What did you see out of uh, uh, the rookie down in Atlanta? And we will wish you all <laughs> a happy holiday season, a Merry Christmas, a Hanukkah, a Kwanzaa, whatever it is. Uh, we're all here for it. Final segment of Gridiron Wrap on a Sunday night next here on 760 WJR. You know, Bill, I as I mentioned, and for the benefit of people out there that have not heard us talk about it, you uh, still work for the NFL. And the mm -hmm. game you had today was the uh, Falcons and Saints. Uh, I'm intrigued to hear what you thought of the rookie. I mean, let, make no mistake about it. They yeah. kind of threw him to the Wolves. Uh, that's what happens a lot of times, you know, when a season hits this point. I mean, heck, why don't we why don't we try it, et cetera, et cetera. But what did you think of him, Desmond? I tell you what really impressed me about him. His stats were very 
pedestrian, if that. But um, his escapability, and he used his legs very well on a number of plays. And I think teams are going to have to account for that. Um, you know, that game ended on a uh, turnover. I mean, the, the the Falcons had a shot late in the game. And uh, and they uh, they turned the ball over, uh, and the Saints ended up, you know, winning it. But uh, but the, uh, the the Ritter is interesting. I mean, I I think I think for a first game, he did pretty well. Um, but uh, but I uh, the thing that impressed me most about him was his legs and how he could fill the pocket. He made a couple escapes that you know he looked like Houdini back there. Yeah. Programming note, by the way, we are going to be off the next couple of weeks. Uh, next Sunday, of course, is Christmas night. So we're going to have a chance to spend uh, the holiday with our families. We hope you will as well. And then uh, January 1st, the same thing. But we will be back January 8th. And we're going to take you all the way through the Super Bowl again, just like we did last year. So there's a lot of football to talk about. I want to say it. Uh, probably should have said it earlier. Congratulations to Ferris State. Representing Amen. the GLIAC, uh, Coach Anise does it two years in a row. Left no doubt about it. Bill, to repeat in anything, especially in college oh. football with all the turnover, uh, just massive props to what Coach Anise has built with this Ferris State Bulldogs. And it was a convincing win, Sean. I watched uh, the majority of that game, and uh, the Bulldogs, uh, they, they came to play on uh, both sides of the ball, special teams. And it's remarkable that, that Coach Anise has had the success he's had. And remember, he came from a high school program, a dominant one, Muskegon. Um, and I think he's been at Ferris for close to 11 years now. Does that sound right? Um, which is, it's hard to believe he's been there that long. But to have two straight national championships, as you said, in any sport, but we're partial to football and to do it in football at the D2 level, doesn't matter what level, that's great football and uh, hats off to him and his team. It is amazing when he, when he came to Ferris, it, it's almost 11 years ago to the date, um, Bill, the, the entire complexity and complexion, I should say of the GLIAC changed overnight. It, it really did. Yeah. It, it, it's been uh, at, at both times, wow, and frustrating as a guy who is near and dear to Wayne State because they have become uh, the powerhouse in what I feel is the best conference in, in D2 football, and that is no question. So, uh, congratulations to them. Hey, listen, in the, in the last couple, Bill, any any uh Christmas traditions or anything uh, you and the family that uh, you, you'd like to share with everybody? Um, just, just celebrating with the family and friends. And, um, I mean, I, I come from an Italian family and years ago, some of my most favorite memories by far was Christmas Eve, uh, when we would cook the seven different types of fishes Yes, and we would have the traditional Italian Christmas Eve. My uncle Anthony would cook calamari and it was the best you ever had, Shawnee oh. B. <laughs> and, uh, so those were some great memories, but, uh, you know, very similar now, just uh, we're just a little older and hopefully a little wiser. We, we have had many years in a row. I, I think it's 15 years now. We host, uh, much like your family, the big Christmas Eve shindig yeah. at our house. And uh, 
And any particular year, we could have 30 people over. We could have 50 wow. people over. But uh, honest to goodness, it's it's the funnest night of the year because yeah. a lot of times I see relatives that, that really I don't see all year. And, right. and something that I've done, Bill, for the last 11 years, I think you know this. My old friend uh, and your friend as well, Tom Kowalski, used to yes. drive over the house on Christmas Eve and drop <laughs> off presents for the kids. Oh, wow. True yeah. story. And yeah. I would always catch him. I would always catch him in the act of doing it, which is the funniest part because it's, you know, Tom wasn't uh, exactly the smallest guy, right? So no, he wasn't. He'd, he'd try to be all stealth and I'd go, what are you doing? Dude, you didn't see me. Dude, you didn't see me. <laughs> so you know what? At about six o'clock every Christmas Eve, I, I go out to my porch and I kind of tip a Bud Light to him because that was oh, his uh, beverage of choice. So keep I, that. I, yeah. Keep that tradition going, Shawnee. No doubt. Hey, Blake, yeah. you have a great Christmas as well, my friend. Uh, Bill, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Happy holidays to everybody out there. We'll talk to you again in a few weeks right here on Gridiron Wrap on 760 WJR. Thanks, everyone.